This is the Registry Podcast. Welcome to the Real Perspectives Podcast. I'm your host, Vladimir Bosanets. Today, we're excited to delve into the fascinating world of Walton, a trailblazer in land acquisition and development. Joining us is a special guest, Kate Kaminsky, the esteemed Chief Operating Officer of Walton. In this episode, we'll journey through Walton's storied history, uncover the innovative strategies behind their unique land acquisition approach, and gain Kate's invaluable insights on the market trends of 2024 and beyond. Stay tuned as we explore how Walton is shaping the landscape of real estate and what the future holds in this dynamic sector. Let's dive in. Kate, uh, good morning. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing well. Where do we find you today? Where Where are you? I am in Scottsdale, Arizona. Typically, I would say sunny Scottsdale, but today it's overcast. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I'm I'm in Seattle and it's sunny today, so I guess oh. we uh, you know flipped uh, <laughs> flipped weathers for for uh, for at least a day. Um, so, Kate, um, as an introduction, um, would you mind telling us a little bit about yourself and kind of your background uh, in the industry, so how you got to where you are today in this role? Yeah. So. Kate Kaminsky, I'm the Chief Operating Officer here at the Walton Group of Companies. Uh, I have been with Walton since 2007. I had to think about that one for a minute because it's it's been a while. Uh, I started out with the company uh, coming from the new home building space. I worked for a public home builder prior to coming here, um, really focused on that production housing. And when I came into Walton, shifted gears and, and went on to the investment side, started working with our teams to uh, raise capital. And since then, I've had a chance to do uh, a mix of, of everything within the company and now, you know, fitting really within more of a uh, generalist role from the standpoint of Walton is, we're an international uh, real estate asset management firm. We focus on both investment side of the business as well as the asset management side which is unique because a lot of companies in our space typically focus on one or the other they'll raise money to deploy into real estate investments or they'll manage the real estate investments and source capital from from external groups um i i get to do a bit of both every day and and so that that really uh makes my job constantly changing and and interesting and I think it's worthwhile highlighting that Walton uh, specifically uh, works in the sort of land space. Is that is that correct? Would you mind telling us a little bit about kind of where your um, expertise as a as an enterprise is? Yeah. So uh, Walton is we're we're a land asset management company. You you hit the nail on the head there. Uh, which is is not a common household uh, real estate investment. I, I would suggest most people are very familiar with, you know, your call it vertical real estate side of of the business, whether it be homes or commercial buildings, etc. Uh, Walton, we specialize in land. It's what we've been doing for the last forty five years. The founders of our company, the the Doherty family. Uh, Patrick and Maureen Doherty started the company in, in Calgary, Alberta. They started with a 14-acre tract of land that that they bought, syndicated to to friends and family, and and it then took it through the entitlement process and sold that off to um, a third-party developer. 
Um, we're doing the same thing today, but on a much bigger scale. Uh, their youngest uh, son of uh, five kids, Bill, he's our, our CEO, and and he has really um, taken the, the company um, and grown it to a significant uh, proportions today. We raise capital on a global basis um, to deploy into land assets here in North America. So we only acquire properties in in the United States and Canada, uh, but we we do syndicate those properties to investors around the world. And really, when I say land, I I mean land. Um, we're we're buying raw land, so undeveloped land. It may have some entitlements or no entitlements. Um, it will go through the entitlement process either by us here at Walton or or the groups that we're selling it to, uh, and that will be developed in the future for primarily residential uses and sometimes commercial and industrial. Uh, but so, you know, this is a part of the market that is quite specialized because at the end of the day, land is typically not an income generating asset. And most people, when they're buying, be it real estate or any investment, they they really are looking for income. And and so you know the the types of investors that we're going to and 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 the way that we buy and hold that um, it's it's quite unique in the space. Yeah, and it's interesting also, and something that uh, we we should highlight is sort of how maybe the company you know evolved in in that space. So as the family initially started the business, was it also kind of based on land, and then you know you just uh, you know grew that and scaled it to kind of a bigger type of an operation, um, or or has it has it evolved from kind of other 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 things as well? Well, I would say in the 45 years we've been in business, there's been a lot of, of influences on the way we do business, both internal and external. Um, of course, internally, I, I would suggest work for a very entrepreneurial um, organization family. Uh, it's it's We're always trying to find new, better, more innovative ways to do things. And again, you know, you wouldn't think dealing in, in land that there are new innovative ways to do things, but there are, whether it's the people that you're trying to raise capital from, the structures that you're selling under, or um, even the way that we're then selling land to third parties, you know, new new contracts and and the ways that, that we're um, engaging in those sales structures. So definitely new opportunities to, to implement new strategies internally. Um, but the the market has also changed significantly, and we've had to respond sure. to that over time. Um, so you know that that has influenced the way that that we're doing business most definitely. Um, but I I would suggest you know what what started as a, a smaller operation. I mean today it's grown to a global business enterprise. We've got. Uh, you know, short of 100,000 acres that's actually under management today. Uh, but we've had well in excess of that. I mean, we've exited at nearly 30,000 acres of, of property, um, you know, tens of thousands of lots sold to third parties for, for future home development. Um, the amount of capital that we've raised, you know, we've, we have about 3.6 billion under management today. However, that uh, that number of of course is is capital raised uh, doesn't represent you know the two and a half billion roughly that that we've distributed to investors, um, and and so you know our our business 
has gone from that 14 acre track I mentioned to, you know, a, a large uh, global investment management business. Has the has the company also been in the development business and construction as well? So we have, we've dabbled in it. Uh, I think at one point we had around 25 uh, active development projects. Most of those were located in, in Canada, um, in the Calgary and Edmonton market, uh, but we did have five active developments here in the US with two of them um, still active today. The others we've we've either fully developed or sold. Uh, you know, our goal is to continue expanding on the land side of the business and with new structures. And we've introduced a couple of, of new structures this year that that we're extremely excited about. Um, on the development side of the business, you know, that is an all all encompassing, uh, you know, side of the business on itself. And what I mean by that is, you know, you're, you're now not just buying and selling land and doing the research and all of the work that goes along with that, but your boots on the ground actively managing the horizontal infrastructure, you know, the water and sewer going in and the streets being paved and so many subcontractors and and you know we're we get excited about raising capital globally um and and we are going to continue doing that for the land side of the business and from time to time we may do it on the development side um but our our focus continues to be on how we can expand our our land assets and and holdings and deliver more of that land to the marketplace that's needed so uh the development side it it will you know, continue to be one one line of business, um, and one that, quite frankly, you know, Vlad, we we hear all the time from the people that we're doing deals with that they like dealing with Walton because we know that side of the business. You know, many of us came from home builders. We've done development sure. work. We can speak credibly to you know doing a transaction instead of just being the capital that comes in and has all of these ideas, but practical implementation is not practical. Uh, so so right. it's helpful uh, and, and something that we know. You mentioned that you uh, raise money from across the globe with international investors. Um, I don't imagine you can tell me who they are, but maybe you can sort of describe the profile of some of these folks and kind of what is it that they see in this, you know, asset? Because as you said, it's not a typical asset. Um, you know, where where's the value that 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 they see, and um, you know, how do they work with you guys typically? You know, that's an an interesting question, and and something that again has evolved over time. Uh, today, we're raising capital from institutional sources, from family office sources, and then from high net worth but retail in investors. And that, that is something that I think really sets us apart from others in the business. They're usually focused on one of those sectors as compared to across the board. Um, but here at Walton, you know, we really started on the retail side and grew this huge business through raising retail capital, which is is something uh, that's quite unheard of in, in our investment space. It's typically been institutional type investments. And, you know, that's what I think one of the caches is uh, about our investment is that we do bring something that's an institutional like investment and make it available to multiple people as compared to just just one institutional investor. 
But with that, uh, you know, we we are looking for capital uh, that is called a little bit more patient. Um, and when I say patient, I just mean, you know, not immediate uh, transaction returns, call it the next day. Um, but something that, you know, we've implemented is, is creating a land-based investment that has an income component to it, structuring our deals so that we're able to give cash flow back over time as compared to just one bulk transaction. Um, but so, you know, that's something that's really helped us expand our our investor base a little bit. Um, look for for you know new investors that that require that sort of of distribution profile. Um, but so, at the end of the day, the way the way we raise capital and who we're raising that capital from is is primarily based on the jurisdiction that we're doing business in and 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 what their appetite is for for risk profile, et cetera. In terms of uh, what happens with the land, you know, after you have acquired it, you described uh, to me when we were, you know, when we had a prep for this call, um, you know, how you work with, with you know, home builders and uh, other types of developers. Tell us on, on that side of the business, you know, what, what happens sort of when you dispose of the land and how do you typically do, do that? You know, Vlad, we focus on working probably about 85% of our transactions with our publicly traded new home builders. Uh, that market has changed so dramatically since the, the Great Recession that was, you know, really a real estate, you know, home, home building industry, mortgage industry led recession. Um, and, and since then, you know, whether it's lending standards and the changes that we've seen or changes that we've seen from Wall Street in terms of how they reward stock price for, for you know, the land that you're carrying on balance sheet, all of those influences and factors have, have shaped kind of the way the industry is most commonly doing business today. Um, it's, it's no surprise if you look on any of the public home builders uh, financials, you can see that their positions of uh, contracts that are option contracts just continues to rise. Uh, and and I would take that one step further, and maybe it doesn't get this granular in the financials, but you know they're looking for the most flexible payment structures possible. And I would say that's that's where Walton comes in. That's where we have you know taken this significant asset base that we developed within in the US um, across the the really southern half of the United States. And and we went out in you know 2007 and, and 2017 and 2018 and, and we started to market really a, a strategy that was going to respond to these changes whereby the builders were not able to put land under contract that couldn't be developed within 24 months. That's that's pretty much the threshold that we hear from all of our buyers across the, the board. And that differs from pre-2007 when I was working at Public Home Builder. You know, there people were trying to buy anything they could get their hands on, 10, 15 years worth of, of land inventory because everything was getting bought up. The prices just kept increasing and that everybody thought that they needed to have that type of supply. Well, then 2008 hits 
and everybody has these non-income producing assets on their balance sheet and and they needed to start offloading them to to generate cash flows and use that for operating income. So today, you know, the the answer to that is this just-in-time inventory approach whereby the builders want to buy as I said what can be developed within 24 months so they really need those entitlements to be in place so that they can stick a shovel in the ground the day they acquire it but then they're also looking for how can i buy it in phases you know maybe phase 1 is going to have higher upfront infrastructure costs and the back phases you know it it won't it's it's going to be higher margins on the back phases um so they they want to look to amortize those costs over the various phases and then the value proposition we've even thrown in is they can pay us not necessarily when the land transfers they'll they'll give a down payment of um call it up to 50% but then they can pay us the the deferred payment the balance of the amount um at the time that the home closes and so these builders get the benefit of not paying for the land literally until they're selling a home to the third party. So they're preserving their capital, yep. they can use that capital for other things and and so, you know, our contracts have gotten very complex as a a result, um but there's a lot of upside in that model because, you know, time value money, they're they're paying more as as time goes on. So, you know, it's a win-win for both sides of the table um, because of, of the structures that we've been able to put in place. And um, Kate, I'm curious, is this a typical model these days? Is that something that's evolved kind of across the industry or is it something that just sort of Walton does on its own because you were able to be creative about that? I'm I'm not going to suggest that uh, you know we're we're the only people doing what we do. Uh, there are other groups out there doing the same but different strategy. There are not that many groups that are in the early stage that we are. You know that that raw land. Sure. Most of your land bankers and other groups out there are focusing a lot more. Uh, they they might be on the land side, but there also needs to be some sort of development activity um, that occurs, and they're they're funding that development financing, which, as I noted, is is not at this point in time. Never say never, uh, but not not something that uh, our current structure offers. So, is Walton unique? I, I would suggest we're definitely unique from that standpoint. In terms of uh, kind of market cyclicality, um, where does land stand? Um, you know, we've uh, seen kind of office go up very high over the last few years, then down very quickly over the last two years, two or three years, right? Retail has its sort of follows its own sort of cycles, home building too. But I'm curious sort of where does land kind of fit in all of that? Is it typically you know, you know counter cyclical, um, or 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 does it follow some of these other trends as well? Really, what we have seen with land is that it it tends to be more resilient than a lot of your other real estate asset classes and and the vertical um, asset classes. And and you know, I I would also add most of the land that we're buying tends to be you know just on the fringe of development. Um, it's often farmland up until the time that it's actually going to be developed on. So, you know, there's a, a land use and until it's then changed to, to be development ready. And 
the the reality with with land is is that it it tends to be quite flat um, in in terms of of its its value. Maybe you'll see kind of increases with inflation over time. But as development encroaches upon that property, as servicing comes to that property, and then of course as entitlements are obtained on that property, you see really quite significant land value that that. Um, increases over over time. And I would suggest there is a significant shortage of development ready land in this country. Um, it's getting harder and harder to get entitlements uh, from municipalities. The cost of infrastructure is is through the roof. And so if you have that land that has entitlements and and can be developed on in in some you know near near time frame, um, there is significant value, and I I don't believe that that can be taken away. Um, and and so you know we believe land is is a, a very safe asset class to to go into. Uh, and and uh, you know as compared to vertical structures where you know the the market influence can can really as we've seen you know on resale inventory and that. Prices spike very quickly, but then, you know, as the market softens, so do those values um, with land. And because of the shortage of it, we 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 just don't typically see the same. And you've been at uh, Walton for a while, so I am also curious, you know, how has this business evolved? I mean, over the last decade, I would argue, uh, you know, we've seen a transformation in every other business, whether it's, you know, media, whether it's, you know, technology, whether it's, mm-hmm. um, you know, even even commercial real estate, right? So I'm curious, you know, how is your business evolving? And, you know, are there any kind of, you know, markers uh, that you think will be, you know, important in the next, you know, five to 10 years? Yeah, so... I, I touched on some of that earlier, uh, but I, I just can't drill home enough how much the industry involved from the way the builders are buying properties um, and you know the impact that has on the way that we're selling properties, uh, that that just in time inventory uh, that I mentioned earlier. You know, we we're not seeing really any transactions with home builders that are bulk sales. Ooh, love it. That makes everything easier. Uh, however, it it's really just not meeting that that requirement that Wall Street has for the public home builder share price. And, and so um, everything that we're seeing today is on terms. And I think that that's just going to continue to, you know, see even more pressure. You know, discussions that we're having with with builders is now they want to figure out how can I out, off balance sheet the development uh, costs and that that side. Yeah. So it won't just be the land that you're seeing the off balance sheet financing happening for, but also the development side. Um, so I think they're going to just continue to push that. You know dedicate their cash to doing things like mortgage rate buy downs and other programs, you know, looking to increase community counts so that they can can drive their numbers. I mean, the the numbers that the home builders are doing right now, it's incredible. Um, And they're they're going to continue to capitalize on on what we're seeing in the market with resale inventory being at historical lows. 
Um, you know, so many people are locked into mortgage rates that are, you know, 80% of, of homeowners, I think, are below 5%. Uh, and 60% are 4% or lower. I don't think they're going anywhere anytime soon. Uh, and and so the new home builders, I think they're going to be on a ride here for a little while, which is good for us because we feed land to to those um, builders. And so, you know, the the market, I think, is going to continue to uh, respond as it, as it has uh, positively with the, the home builders stock and and you know, they're they're going to continue to look for ways to preserve their capital. And I think you mentioned that roughly 85% of what you do is with home builders. Um, are there any other segments of the industry that you're seeing emerging um, in the sort of, you know, you know, land buying phase, you know, so like industrial or other sort of, you know, sectors that, uh, you know, might need large, uh, large tracts of land? Yeah. And that that is where we're seeing the bulk transactions happening is on the industrial commercial side because they're of course developing out you know an entire um pad at at once which they need the whole site as compared to uh, just doing an individual home at a time uh, we just closed two weeks ago of a huge transaction with amazon uh, they're building data centers in spotsylvania county course, you know, data centers, that's a exciting uh, opportunity for us and something that we're certainly chasing. Uh, because I think, you know, it's no no secret to anyone out there that this is going to continue to be a, a sector where there's a lot of growth and, and a lot of opportunity. Uh, but we've got some other exciting transactions. Um, one that that's supposed to close before year end, it's for a green energy campus in, in Texas. Um, this is going to be a huge master plan, first one of its sorts, uh, whereby, you know, there's there's going to be this ener energy generating, you know, component of the master plan, but also being uh, uh, with future home uses that that's that's going to be developed on there. Um, so I, I think, you know, technology, um, any any way that you know, we can be looking to focus on sectors that are are tech enabled i i like to to use um as as the general term um is is going to be an area on the commercial industrial side that's robust for well i i don't think it's going anywhere yeah that was going to be my follow-up question uh, especially on the on the energy uh generation side if sort of utility scale kind of projects are coming up more and more whether it's solar wind or whatever um mm -hmm. that is uh you know looking looking for land and i'm also curious if they're um you know working with you in a in a way where they're acquiring the land or just leasing it or maybe um if there's any sort of innovation in that space as well so we we talk to those groups all the time uh, again texas we we have over 30,000 acres in Texas, and that continues to be one of our focus markets in terms of new acquisitions. And, you know, they're, they've got everything. Um, and that's not the only market, but but just given our presence there, um, where so many of these conversations happen, whether it be solar, wind, um, or the, the green energy campus that I just noted. The the challenge that we've seen with some of those structures is that most of them do want to do leases uh, or, you know, just the timelines to get these projects closed. 
our investors have a desire to to see returns on their investment. And with a lot of these structures, um, you know, they want a 25 or 30 year lease, or it's going to take at least five years to get your government approvals, uh, you know, for them to buy the property. And so we we have to you know weigh the value or the consideration that they're willing to pay versus the time that it's going to take for these projects so that is not necessarily a focal point of of our business or where we think that we're going to see a lot of transactions in the future but we also had a closing in uh uh uh, a solar farm on one of our properties or with a solar company on on one of our properties in Texas. And so it's certainly not groups that that we're ruling out. Um, it just has to be the right structure for us. So over these years, uh, Kate, what would you say are some of the kind of, you know, biggest lessons learned and, you know, things that, uh, uh, you know, you think is kind of shaping this, you know, market into the future? The last few years have have been really interesting in real estate. It's been a bit of a roller coaster ride. You don't uh, say. And, <laughs> <laughs> you know, good, good, bad, and and otherwise. Um, we, I, I would say, going into COVID, obviously nobody saw that one coming, and uh, and what the effects on our industry would be post COVID, and then you know last year with the mortgage. Um, rates increasing as as a result of interest rates uh, rising and and you know geopolitical issues all all of the above the last the last four years um, I, I I'm guessing it's not a coincidence you're asking about changes in the last four years but uh, I would say what you know I I have definitely um, learned is take a step back and you know, really assess the situation and open dialogue and communication with the people that you're working with, um, the people on the other side of the table that you're doing the transaction with, whether it's acquisitions we're doing or dispositions that that we're trying to paper, um, you know, find creative ways to move the deal forward. For for us, time is a killer of, of deals. Um, and, and that's something that you know if you can find a creative way to move a deal forward that works for both sides in in my opinion it's in everyone's best interest to try and make that deal work and i'd say you know last year we saw so many transactions that were dropped because people were nervous about what what you know was going to uh to happen with interest rates those deals are going back under contract and and in most instances for more consideration for our investors which is great but now it's another two or three years delayed and so you know do do you really win from a an irr standpoint i i don't know uh we have to run the numbers but i i think that with with all of these external influences and pressures you know really sitting down communicating taking a step back and not making quick quick decisions uh, is is something that I can't stress enough to to everyone in the industry because I I think we all have a common goal. 
how can we do more transactions to deliver more homes to to the public? Um, and you don't do that by dropping deals. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, Kate, as we close our conversation here, I, I usually like to end it on a bit of a personal note. And I would love to ask you, you know, as you look back on your career and, um, you know, things that you've done sort of along the way, what would be sort of some advice that you would give either to your younger self or somebody trying to enter the industry um, in in your space, right? Um, you know, things to things to you know keep in mind, things to follow. Um, anything that uh, you could you could partake? Oh gosh, where would where would I even begin with that? Read the contract. Uh, <laughs> there. I, I can't stress enough to my younger self, you know, and, and, you know, to anyone young, young in this business, you, you have to dig into the details. The devil is in the details. And, and, you know, if you, if you know that, if you have that foundation uh, and, and, you know, you get in the room and get in the deal, um, you're the, the knowledge that you're going to gain and how you can build on that for the future. It's, it's just invaluable. And and I would add upon that, don't don't let your professionals take over the deal. Um, there's there are so many deals where you know we we get caught up in the minutia and and I think really the business people. How, how can we again that that same comment I just made? Take a step back and and say you know what's happening here? How can we get this closed? What are our common objectives and and move it forward? Um, I, I, I I think that that would be my two bits of advice. Yeah, no, this is very interesting. In the almost 200 interviews that I've done so far, you're the first one that says read the contract. And I think it is <laughs> one of the most important things that uh, you should tell any young person for sure. Um, I tell my kids, you know, when they sign their name on things, you know, make sure you read what you're signing. Yeah. So anyway, that that is uh, that is great advice. Um, Kate, thank you so much for taking time to speak with us. Um, uh, we'd love uh, learning more about your uh, organization and uh, best of luck in 2024. All right. Thank you so much. It was great uh, talking with you today, Vlad. That was another episode of the Real Perspectives podcast, and we thank you for taking the time to listen to it. Conversations like these help us comprehend our evolving industry better and hopefully provide a perspective that helps you understand the dynamics of commercial real estate. If you like this episode, please subscribe to our show and tell your colleagues about it. That is the best way to spread the news and help us remain relevant across the industry. Cheers. Cheers.